Yeah, just don't ask me anything about the men's national team. Yeah, me neither. Cause <laughs> oh, the I'm whole sexist. episode is about men's national team. Do you want to ask <laughs> me about well, the men's national it's been team? Real. <laughs> 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 okay. What have they done? <laughs> like all men. I want the hot oh, no, takes. Corny with that Illuminati mess. Paparazzi catch my fly and my cocky fresh. I'm so reckless when I rock my Givenchy dress. I'm so possessive, so I rock his rock necklaces. My daddy Alabama, mama Louisiana. You mix that Negro with that Creole, make a Texas Bama. Here we go. What's up? It's your boy, Coach Tony. It's another episode of For the Culture, For Us, By Us, the soccer podcast that sees soccer and inserts culture. You got your boy Ringo here, and you got your boy Grego here. And we have two great special guests today. Got the ladies here. We got Coach Lee Jakes. What's up? What's up? Thanks for having me. Thank you for being here. And we got the other great coach, Andrew Bustamante. Booster. What up, what up? Welcome, welcome. Glad to have y'all back. Or glad to have Back again for the first time. Um, But it's not like you ever left us. But yeah, we got got the... you know, we've been slacking this month because we realized it was International Women's Month. There's been a lot of uh, news with women this month, and we wanted to have women actually talk these issues with. Because you know, it's one thing when you got guys talking talking about women, but I'm like, no, it's nothing when you got women talking women shit. And so we wanted to have y'all <laughs> on here, you know, get get your guys' uh, perspective, and you know, shoot the shit, man. Because actually, we've known y'all for a hot minute. You know, like I remember. Beating Andrea and Ringo actually at the same time out in uh, Chattanooga, 2017, and you know before we were champions. Yeah, barely had a team. Barely had a team back then. Yeah, man, like, we we come a long, long way, man. But I'm I'm so glad y'all are, y'all are here on the show. But uh, but yeah, man, like we've uh, so we got a couple things to to talk about today. Uh, we've got uh, like I said. With, with this women's episode, we're going to be talking about uh, some things going on in the news right now with uh, with the U.S. Uh, women's national team lawsuit. We're going to be talking about the NWSL and just how they can, you know, kind of get their platform up because they right now they're still trying to find, find their way and see what can they do to really gain a foothold into the fans, basically their... their Awareness because they're still you know, trying to trying to well, make their way up. Uh, we do we got we do have some men stuff, you know. Just you know, kind of, we, we don't want to forget the guys, you know, because <laughs> we always do, right? Yeah. Uh, of course, we're actually like we're recording this right now during the USA uh, Chile game, and right now I think they're up one uh, one at halftime. So you know, we, uh, we've had this game here. We've had. Uh, the game last week against Ecuador, so we got we got a little bit to talk about with the guys as well. But yeah, we wanted to just have the ladies you know and shoot the shit. So like, how, how y'all been? I'm doing well. I appreciate you guys having us uh, on the podcast. It's always a great opportunity to be involved in the soccer community here in Atlanta with how thriving and growing it is, and especially with obviously people of our culture. Uh, I think that it is not said enough that uh, you know there's a foundation here that we need to establish with women 
in the game and women of color in the game. Um, a little bit of my background, I'm from Costa Rica, so I moved to the States when I was five years old in 91, immigrant family, and you know, soccer is basically what has allowed me to thrive and grow in this country. It is what I, you know, took a hold of and is what I do now as a profession. And so I think it's a great opportunity to be here in this podcast, uh, to share some time with these gentlemen that are doing such a great job in something that, you know, needs to be established is the, uh, the foundation of the game uh, with, with people of minority. So that's a little bit of me, but yeah. Yeah, I mean that's hard to follow. Right? No, no, no. That's You don't want to ever feature on your track. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Just got a body on your own track. <laughs> um, but no, just to follow up with that, um, you know, it's it's great to be able to talk about the game, to talk about this thing that. I'm so passionate about and something that I get funny looks when people are like, okay, well, you play what? Huh? Or you yeah. coach what? what? Yeah, exactly. um, it's like not only being a black female player, but a black female coach yeah. um, is something that's for some reason unheard of. Um, and so anytime I have the opportunity of the platform to you know, talk about how I got into it, how, where it's taken me, um, you know, starting out playing in Stone Mountain. 20v20 Caribbeans, you know, playing the two barrel trash cans to uh, get a college scholarship, play up at Northwestern, and then having the opportunity to play professionally overseas and here in the U.S. Um, you know, I love this game. I live this game. And um, I'm just so grateful to have that opportunity to teach this next generation um, and provide that visibility to let them know, like, you, this game can take you places. And even if you're not a professional, it can open you up to this culture that is worldwide. Um, so I'm, yeah, I'm excited to be here and dive into what we got on the table. What you doing over there, Ringo? You, 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 have, you have a nice jersey on right now. Like what? Like, like what? What you? What you rocking right now, man? Let me tell you, I'm just, just a humble kid <laughs> oh, from a, you know, a small town in New Mexico, <laughs> rocking the New Mexico United kit with one of them. Fresh ass FTC UTD nameplates on the back, laced by your boy Grego. Man, I appreciate it, man. We'll post that on the social. You can get yours. Yeah, yeah. You can get yours. Anybody can get a name set. Yeah, I, I think Coach is next, man. <laughs> yeah, it might be just like that video that was on 433 when uh, that little kid started crying. <laughs> Oh, when he got the jersey, got the jersey. <laughs> yeah. when that happens, when I get my Memphis 901 customized, <laughs> this better be sure to wrap it like they did. I know. Yeah. <laughs> 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 Present side of present side of present. Yeah. That's good, but that's what it's about, man. Loving the game, like that's that's exactly what it is. But yeah, man. Uh, actually, we, we wanted to have y'all on, you know. Actually, I had the idea about this show back on the actual International Women's Day because on the same day that that was uh, put out, uh, the women U.S. Women's National Team they said, "You know what? We got we got to see U.S. soccer again and uh, go after uh, equal pay." Uh, they've been in court with the with U.S. soccer before, trying to basically get the the playing field a bit even as far as like what the men get and what the women get. Uh, basically, what their argument is actually pretty, uh, pretty straightforward. You know, given that the women's uh, program is basically the if the best, if not one of the best in the world, you have they're consistently uh, outperforming the men. Uh, they've 
basically done their thing going on, what, 25 years now, and you're still in, a, in an environment where they're getting far less money, getting far less bonuses, and, you know, basically treated as though it's like, yeah, you're great and everything, but you're not the men. So it's like, how does that, how does that really work? And, uh, I, I, so like how closely have, have y'all been following this? Like, like what, what are y'all's perspective on this? Um, yeah, I mean, as soon as that came out, um, I definitely was reading everything I could cause I'd been following that fight beforehand. And, um, I think it was, quick question. When did, when did you start, stop playing? When I stopped playing, um, when my knee told me to, uh, <laughs> was, uh 2016. Oh, so yeah. So yeah, yeah. When you stop playing, that's when they filed the first lawsuit. Right, right. So yeah, go, go ahead. Yeah. Um, you know, early on, I think, and I'm not going to get into the whole, like, widespread of it, but as, you know, one issue comes to light, people like to focus on something else, like mm -hmm. with Hope Solo. That was right. a big thing. Because head in the right place, lots of other stuff going on. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> She's an old man, She's yeah. a man is more important than I women's wages. You know, <laughs> it's perspective, right? You know, yeah. um, but you know, again, it's I've experienced what it's like to be in that position as professional, um, playing overseas, where we were in a higher league than the men's team, but mm -hmm. they wanted to kick us out of the locker room under the stadium because you know the men were you know there's more of a safety concern for the men. <laughs> yeah, uh, I think the same amount of people come to our games that came. To wow, that's crazy. It's a hockey country. Relax. Oh, um, but <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean it's 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 a, a symptom of um, what's going on in the world in general. Like it's you know this value placed on you know men versus women or you know. Well, if you look at the competition, no, you know, it, women are doing the work. Women are consistently outperforming. They're, you know, not just getting into tournaments, they're winning these tournaments. Right. Um, they're asking for very simple things, you know, be paid for the work that they do. They don't want to have to play on turf because it's turf. Would you ever ask a men's team to play on turf? Right. Um, they even put out that the revenue sharing model. Because they were that confident that, okay, well, if you guys want to point to market realities, then, okay, we'll tell you what, U.S. soccer, if the women's national team brings in more revenue, then pay us more. Mm -hmm. If we don't, we'll take less. And they wouldn't take it. So I, I think that points to a large issue, and this suit is just the first step in a very long journey to get what is owed. So... A little bit of the information that I've gathered uh, in terms of what's going on is that uh, the actual suit right now, it involves uh, 28 specific players. Mm -hmm. And uh, it contends that the USSF uh, is in violation of two federal laws, the Equal Pay Act and Title VII of the Civil Rights Act of 1964. And so the issue there, right, is that it's not necessarily if men and women are doing the exact same job it's very vague in terms of what straightforward it means what men do and what women do so companies get to get away with what they identify as what's equal and what's not mm -hmm. so it comes down to those systems of who's been there the longest and who knows who and so on so with women you know since 91 when the u.s women started collectively doing great in the World Cup and such. From them, we've won three World Cups, and you look at the men's system, and it's not equal. I mean, in the grand scheme, women are getting paid 38% less 
in the women's game than the men's game. So that's, you know, a large number in my uh, book. If you look at it in terms of what the women are producing and then what the men are producing. I mean, in this day and in this society, I think that we've come to a realization that it's not necessarily the compensations of what you've achieved. It's exactly what you put out. So, you know, we're putting out a lot more here. We're putting out actual trophies. We're putting out players. The girls' game in the United States has grown significantly because of the exposure and the things that the women's game has brought and produced. So, you know, why exactly is there that gap? Yeah, I think that, like, I've had debates on this uh, for a while now. Of course, everyone knows the men didn't qualify for for the uh, World Cup last year. That caused uh, Sunu Galati to step down as president, even though he's still around. And basically, he stepped down, but he was just replaced by one of his now another another yeah. snail, basically. Yeah. Uh, and like I, I, I posed a question back then. I was like, like, okay, you did this for for the men's team because they didn't qualify. And I asked the question, like, what if the women had um, didn't qualify for a World Cup? Would you have the same type of reaction given given how they're on a much higher uh, form than than the men, pretty much? consistently and like the the response i got back then was like nah like it probably wouldn't happen i'm like that makes no sense to me because you you given the standard that the women have i'm like it would it would basically be like whole like some earth shattering shit if if the women suddenly did not qualify for the world cup It, it, it wouldn't make any sense i mean if the women didn't qualify for the world cup i guarantee you the women's game would probably Go away. Well, okay. Just so, as it's done in hockey and it's done in softball and so on and so forth. So let so. me ask you your opinion about that because I think as far as, you know, when we talk about the good old boy network of U.S. soccer, um, and especially with what we have seen with the results of the men's national team, but now as far as the women's national team goes, like the rest of the world is catching up. Yeah. Oh, and the, I mean, like the fact that like the women are struggling with games now and we're no longer, you know, the guaranteed bet. And so there has still been, I mean, you know, part of what, you know, what we address is the, the classism part that definitely, and I know within the women's game, that has been a huge issue. I mean, we talk about the politics within men's soccer. Mm-hmm. I think it's even worse within women's soccer of who you know and the good old girl network, if you will. I mean, as a you know, player in this country that immigrated and Literally, my parents had no money to put me through the pay-to-play system here in the United States. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it, they had no money for it, right? I mean, it was literally, okay, do we buy the groceries for the month or do we pay for Andrea to play soccer for three months? Because that's what the seasons are in length. Yeah. And I quickly understood that, you know, for me, someone eventually paid, whether it was like through the scholarships right, of the right. programs or a parent that would just pay for me to play, that was eventually the only way that I was accessed, had access to that game. But when I saw my counterparts, the players, my teammates, you know what I mean? And we're going to tournaments and before the tournament you stop by someone's house and their house is, you know, Definitely yeah. different yeah. than my house. Yeah. You a quickly, house can be inside their house. Exactly. Yeah. You know, you quickly understand 
what systematically the game system here is in terms of soccer, especially in the girls' game. Because really, and I'm going to be blatant here, there is nothing after college if you make it to college for the women's game. So therefore, your parents are willing, if they can afford it, to pay all the way to get you you there. Do you understand what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So, or even think that you're on a team. At, at this yeah. point, exactly. <laughs> so, you know, I mean, but to go to those links. Too soon? Yeah, too soon, right? But to go to those links, right, that, I mean, I understood that quickly, right? I understood that in the boys' game, there's potential of going elsewhere. In the girls' game, not so much. Not many options. So I played as long as I had the ability to. My teammates, they played as long as their parents could pay for. Well, you, know? well, you actually. Well, actually, I'm sorry. You actually make a nice segue, and Coach Lee, I have to ask you about your experience because mm-hmm. you played at that next level. Yeah, because yeah, you played your experiences. in. You played in Finland. You played in Sweden. Mm-hmm. You done. You done the uh, NWSL with uh, Chicago. Correct. Yeah, I did my homework on you. I did my homework. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> and uh, so, like, definitely, uh, uh, you have a perspective that I think is definitely va- uh, valuable here. So, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, tell us about. Uh, what, what you've went, went through. Yeah, I mean, there's definitely, uh, you notice that difference for, er, there's a difference in the classes that you interact with growing up. I mean, I was fortunate that my parents were able to pay for me to, you know, play on these different clubs. Right. And then when, okay, I need to get recruited, I go to another club. Right. Um, so like I said, I started playing at Stone Mountain at Smysa. Um, (laughs) and you know that was such a unique experience as my foundation playing soccer because it was this team of black girls out there learning from a Jamaican coach and like it was just such an amazing foundation to have and as we got older what happens with women's sports in general across the board is the girls start to fall off around age 14 Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. and I don't think we do enough to commit to that age group and to show them like What's next? Because yep. like you said, like you think, okay, I can only go so far. Yeah, exactly. And want to have a social life or, eh, okay, uh-huh. well, there's no pathway. Um, and I was lucky enough that, you know, I'd, my dad was a professional athlete. He played in the NFL. He didn't know anything about soccer, but he knew what it meant to be an athlete. He's like, if you want to do this, I'm going to help you do this. You know, I, you're going to put in the work, but I'll make sure I'm there with you every step of the way. Um, and so I was very fortunate there and was able to go to these different showcases these college IDs that will come around right. that only so many girls could go to. Exactly. Um, I was able to go on these all, all these different recruiting trips um, and eventually got a scholarship to a Northwestern, which, you know, yeah, maybe my parents could have figured something out at that point, but I had three siblings behind me who needed to you know, get through school as well. So it was a big help to them to get a scholarship. And then as I, I had a fifth year, um, so a red shirt injury, because injuries ruled my career, mm. pretty much. Mm. Um, Still going on. Yeah. <laughs> I can't quit. Um, but, uh, you know, I, if I would have come out my true senior year, there would have been nowhere for me to play, because WPS had just folded. Yeah. Mm. And I stayed in for my fifth year, and things were kind of shaky, so I'm like, okay, well, the only place I can go is overseas. Um, and I, you know, asked my coaches who had no connections and luckily because I was an intern for the Chicago Red Stars when they're back in WPS, I became friends with some of the, um, player, uh, player services personnel and the coaches from U of I. And they were like, Hey, we've had some girls go overseas. There's an agent. 
he was a crappy agent, but he got my foot in <laughs> um, Shout out to Olaf. <laughs> Somewhere in Big Germany. Um, but no, like, he was, when I got my first contract, he's like, don't get used to this, because this is better than most people get. Yeah. Damn. And he was right. That was the best contract Damn. I got my entire professional career. And that was what my year, first year. What year was this? This was in 2011. Um, and that's when I was over in Sweden in a small town, felt like a superstar. There mm. was no men's team. Wow. So the whole town came and supported the oh, women's team. Sick. Wow. Okay. That's, I mean, that's dope. That's dope. They you wrote full page articles no, about the international awesome. players in the newspaper. I had, I think there was a segment where they asked, you know, what do you miss most about the States? And I was like, I got a long list, but, um, you know, probably the food. Um, (laughs) then they made me list some specific stuff. And so my manager, the next practice was like, we had an offer from some locals to make you like American pancakes or something. Um, so it was just an awesome culture to feel celebrated and, you know, you know, feel like you were the top dog there. You're a true professional. So Um, So question for you real quick. So like what type of crowds were you, were you getting like in, in Finland and Sweden, Sweden? Um, in Sweden we had a, a decent crowd, um, um, probably equating to the lowest attendance in NWSL right okay. now, because um, it was a small town. Right, um, right. Finland, not as great in numbers, because like I said, it's a hockey country. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, you get some local support. We had two teams in the, the town that I was in my first year in Finland, so derby days were huge. Mm-hmm. So great turnout for that, um, even though I was on the villain team and. The town, but, you know. The Monstars. Yes. <laughs> the Monstars of Finland. Um, I'm not sure which one I was. Probably the <laughs> But, uh, yeah, I mean, you could feel the support. You felt, okay. I mean, like, we'd be at the men's games, and there's, like, people taking our picture. Wow. Sitting in there. Because Lee. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. Um, because Lee takes right there. Right. <laughs> and so, as I was playing, there was still this, this yearning to to play in the States, mm-hmm. um, to keep pushing myself to the next level. Cause you know, not everything translates, you know, you could be playing a top league in Finland and like, well, I don't know what that means when you come to the States and right. you're like, you know, again, you're back into the politics of it. Yeah. Um, so I was lucky enough when I came back in 20, 2014 was my last season overseas. 2015, um, I went to Chicago and tried out. Chi-town. Yep. For the Chicago Red Stars, and my coach at the time was also my coach when I played semi-pro with the Red Stars. Okay. Um, That's the end of that, that I'll say about that. But, you know, (laughs) there's this conversation about what it meant to make the preseason roster. Mm -hmm. And he was saying, from my understanding, if you stay on to try to make the roster and you end up dressing for the season, you get paid, you play, you definitely get paid. Okay, great. Come around, find out. No, they call you an amateur, so you don't get paid anything. Oh? You get yeah. no money. Even if you dress, you fly, you play, you get nothing. This is 2016. 2016. In the United States. In the United States. That's nuts. The National Women's Soccer League. That's nuts. And it was a World Cup year. Right. <laughs> or 2015. Yeah, yeah, 2015. Yeah, World Cup year. So they needed us to be there. Yeah. When... 
you know, I'm training with Kristen Press and Shannon Box, Lori Klepney, Julie wait, wait, I'm sorry. Johnston at sorry. the time. You dropped it. You dropped it. Sorry. Hold on, let me get that. Oh, yeah, throw that right in here on this show. I mean, maybe just But just to give the perspective, I'm training with these players. Right. I'm doing the same work. And, you know, they leave. I dress. I go to these games. I even play in a game. And nothing. That's and insane. what was really frustrating with the politics there is, you know, I ended up leaving like right before the season ended to because I thought I was going to get a contract to go back overseas. Mm-hmm. Talking to my agent, and he said, because you played in that one game, you you don't qualify for the, this transfer window. What? Wow. wow. You were an amateur yes. player. Yes. Exactly. Amateur on paper. But he said, no, it doesn't matter. It was a professional league. And so that was enough for me to be like, that makes zero sense. Yeah. Wow, wow. Like I, I, I had another question, but like that just kinda just blew my mind there. <laughs> um so I actually I'm I'm gonna go ahead and uh, get on the on the in the in the BSL because uh, there's been some couple a couple Are changes this year. No 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 I want to talk about the lawsuit before we jump in there. What's go, Ringo? Go, go Ringo W A S L. So with with the lawsuit coming down the pipeline through the research, so they filed, the women's team filed a complaint with the EEOC, and they had to do that to basically say this is just like a, a discrimination suit mm-hmm. before they could actually sue U.S. Right. soccer to get to this point. And it, it is crazy that they had to go through that, those steps, just to say, just to get the case heard for someone to even look at the case. So it's, it's really going to be really interesting to see, like, what U.S. soccer, because they're going to, they have a good case. Mm-hmm. I mean, especially when they say how many matches they've played on turf. I mean, they've played 22% more matches on turf than the men's game. They played more games in the men's games that were friendlies and things like that. So, it, it, but the thing is, like, the women that are in the suit, there a lot of them aren't playing more. So I wonder how USI is going to try to sweep that so, under the rug. You know so, I mean? And that's part of me. Like, part of me feels like it's going to so be like if they were the stars, like, you know, like my girl Sydney, like, you know, if they were the stars still playing, like, I feel it's almost gonna be like the Mueller report. We're gonna be like, oh man, like yeah, this one moment, and then y'all, U.S. Soccer going to f it up. Yeah, you know, I, because I, I, that good old boy network. Yeah, it's deep. But no, it's but deep. The, but like how strong the women's national team game has been over the past twenty years, like uh, U.S. Soccer and Concacaf should be leading the way. Like I think the the Dutch team was the first uh, team where the men and women make the exact same money. And that just came out, I think, this year or last year. So it's crazy that, like, U.S. soccer is, like, letting, like, the Dutch outdo them in the women's game. And women's game, like, basically is the reason why there's so many women national teams and women's club teams right now around the world. And it's, it's nuts to me, like, like, reading about this. I'm like, that's wild that CONCACAF should be, like, CONCACAF's, like, last in everything. Are you really surprised, though? No, I, I, US, I, mean, I, I honestly am, for, especially for the women's game, because what the United States has done to grow the game. But at the same time, I mean, we still, I mean, I keep referring to the good old boy network. I mean, like, there's still, like, you know, a lot of roles that we really subscribe to as the, far the, as the, the, tra- the, the The traces of Chuck Blazer and uh, what was the guy in uh, Trinidad? Um, uh, oh, Warner. Oh, boy. Oh, Warner. Yeah, uh, like that, like that still permeates hard in CONCACAF and I think that like what what you basically had was that you know through uh, basically like the, the past 20-25 years you you had a 
system basically like, like the Wild West where it's like, hey, as long as we get paid, hey, you do what you want. And you're trying to undo all of that, but it's like, like you have to, that takes work. And having to un, un, undo all the damage that was done, it won't be done overnight, you know. So, you know, whether it's the men's game, whether it's the women's game, there's a lot that needs to get fixed here. And it's like, like, like pe- people always say, like, like, if it's too hard, like, don't do it. I'm like, no, like, if, just because it's hard doesn't mean don't do it. Like, you still have to do it. Just matter, like, it might just take a while. Um, but you, you've got to try to be a trailblazer. Like, you, you kind of have Absolutely. to. Absolutely. I, mean, I mean, that's the thing. United States, Canada, uh, um, top ten. They're, like, top ten in the women's game. Mm-hmm. So, like, how much power the United States and Canada have on the world stage? Like, you would think, like, somebody in um, CONCACAF would say, hey, guys, let's do something different. Let, let, let's lead the way. Mm-hmm. Let's start funding some of these women's, like, these girls' programs. Like, my son plays youth soccer. He plays rec soccer league. They don't even have enough girls to field, like, a full girls' team in the rec. And, and it's crazy, like, especially how great the U.S. team is that you can't field a women's team in the city of Atlanta, like a girls' team, I'm sorry, in the city of Atlanta, like, unless you go up to the Burbs. So, like, to me, it, it just blows my mind. Well, oof, there, um, we're about to get some... I, I know, like, youth soccer go, is go the Listen, youth soccer is rough, but it's just crazy that they just... I'm, looking at the, I'm, 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 hey, I'm rambling, 25%. but it, it frustrates me. Mm-hmm. I mean, ahead. I'm looking at our percentage right now of our numbers. Go ahead, boss Tony. <laughs> that's literally right. Uh, this is yeah. 2019, 25%, and that's down from 33%. Um, yeah. And the United States is still number one. Like, they're ranked number one. So, like, it, it doesn't make sense that U.S. soccer can continue to turn their back to this issue. I, that's I, my, I, I think, I, I think what you have is that you have a you have a program that's basically been coasting on laurels like that the proverbial lo- resting on your laurels they're resting on all those laurels and say like oh, hey we're good you know no problem you know we we got this we're still winning and then what they're what they're not noticing is like we said earlier you have programs that are improving they're 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 investing in their programs they're trying to step up their women's game mm-hmm. and you know. And that, and after a while, it's like it's like all of a sudden it's like you have England winning winning the She Believes Cup, you know, like for the first time. Like like those things are are like are really big benchmarks as far as like like where the the women's look, game has progressed look, because that that hasn't happened before. Serious, they're taking it in Europe. Like there's talks of like Real Madrid getting transfer bans because they don't have a women's team. Yeah, like, yeah. They're like banning the men's team from getting new players in until they decide to fund a women's team like that's huge that's like that's millions and millions of dollars that like um uefa's like saying yo y'all need to get this thing together so i mean if we're over here like we can't even get the women's game on tv and that that's how you transition grego she's <laughs> 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 going to communication school <laughs> <laughs> so that, that's 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 lila she's the one who went to northwestern man <laughs> but no because um over the past weekend, uh, Juventus, uh, their women's team, uh, they had a game at at their main stadium. I didn't realize that they they weren't playing at their main stadium uh, on the regular, but like they had one at their at their main stadium. They, they sold out, good thirty nine thousand there. Uh, you know, came out to support the women, and then of course you you fast forward over over here, and it's like it's hard to get like three thousand to a game, 
And I'm wondering, like, what exactly, because I, I look at it not just as a women's soccer problem, I look at it as a women's sports problem, because you look at WMEA and, like, they struggle for attendance as well a lot of the time. And I look at it as a, as a uh, issue of investment as far as, like, you're not putting, you're not marketing the product out there for people to be aware in the first place. So you can't really expect for Or you're fans. not marketing it in a way to be taken exactly. seriously. Yeah. That's exactly yeah. it. Mm-hmm. Because the fact is, is that you can throw money at anything, and, mm-hmm. and and I'll tell you this, you can throw a lot of money in the men's game, and that moves people, right? You buy a player that's really expensive, and people are like, oh my Ooh. goodness, this team's about to be the greatest. Right. And, and the jerseys are sold, and so on and so forth. In the women's game, the marketing... The idea, I mean, it, there's just no seriousness behind it, right? It's, it's like family friendly. Yeah, bring hey, daughter. bring yeah. your family. Yeah. Packages of four yeah. and like popcorn and yeah. drinks included and all this stuff. And it's like, come on, it is a sport that women are literally working their asses off, day in and day out, sweating, bleeding, crying, all of the above. Uh, you know, putting careers and families and things on the line to continue to be an athlete mm-hmm. and common society doesn't take it seriously because marketing doesn't take well it do you see the other extreme too though like what, what you see with basketball or you know as far as like the sexualization of it as well too do you yeah, see as far no, as of course and i mean yeah that's the whole point i guess with not taking seri- seriously though right i mean you have to sexualize a certain sport in order for people to even look at it i mean that in itself makes it so not serious. Yeah. Makes me think that people just look at women and whatever they do as objects to whatever they're doing. It doesn't matter whether it's a sport. doesn't matter whether they're advertising a hamburger for whatever. You know what I mean? Honestly, bottom line is, is that if you objectify something and you market it that way, that's exactly how people are going to consume it. So therefore, if you put it out like you do the men's game as a natural thing then I think it would be different. But it's just not looked at that way, you know? What you got, Lee? Yeah, no, I totally agree. Um, It's hard to say that, well, you know, it's not on TV because nobody's going to come or nobody's going to watch it. No, nobody's able to find it. You know, you're jumping back and forth like, okay, are they on Lifetime? Are they on some random Fox station? Because they dropped the the Lifetime Right, now they're with Yahoo Sports. Yeah. Which is... (laughs) (laughs) Is that where it's at? I was trying to find... (laughs) I was like, am I ESPN picking it up? I don't know. Yeah. Nah. And so you make it so hard to find it that, of course, that's going to affect the numbers. You want to talk about jersey sales? Go to U.S. Soccer and try to find a women's jersey. Pull down the jersey tab. There's nothing there. Uh Uh-huh. Jeez you, want and your, drip. you want to find your stars? Good luck. Damn. Damn. And, <laughs> Damn. I mean, if you if you take the time to, you know, find quality investors, but make sure that as a marketing professional, you're going to these investors and showing them the return they can get because this is a serious sport. The fans will come. That's going to be a whole different conversation than a, okay, well, I'm just throwing some money at this because I'll feel better about, you know, here's my little piece towards equality. Exactly. And Mm. I'm sorry, but in my opinion, name brands like Nike is a piece to their equality kind of situation, right? Because they're, you know, the new jerseys come out and the new men's jersey comes out. You could see that where it's advertised everywhere. You see it all over social media. You see it. Where you can buy it immediately, 
a woman's jersey comes out just like Lee just said, and you can't you find don't it. Know about it yeah. you, you can buy it you at got, the game. You got to hunt you, for you it. You got to go to a game you got hunt to for buy it. it at a tiny little kiosk right. where they have a few. And yeah. you're waiting they're mostly selling men's jerseys. And it's just not, it's just, you know, up to that point, I mean, it, it's, it's, it's sad in my opinion, including what Lee just said, that corporations, I mean, women's corporations, what, does it need to be Tampax that goes out there? I mean, that's ridiculous. You understand right. what I'm saying? That's truly ridiculous that that's the way that women have to identify. You know, hide behind an entity of a women's brand. Like, come on. You know what I'm saying? We are athletes equally and the same. And I wear Adidas just the same. I wear Nike the same. I'm a, I'm sort of like a brandist. Like, if I'm wearing an Adidas jersey, I'm freaking wearing Adidas shorts. I'm wearing Adidas socks. I'm wearing Adidas shoes. You understand what I'm saying? I'm not, like, wearing Under Armour and Nike. I, you know, I like Shoot, to... Shoot, I wear it all until they you know pay me. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I like to... Speaking of which, they need to pay you, Lee. They do. Like, seriously. How do we add your name to this list? Seriously. If y'all don't know, <laughs> Coach Lee... Her image has been just straight up thrown out there and, you know, there's corporations that are monetizing off this woman and she has seen no ducats. We need to pay that woman her money. Yeah. I'm on a campaign for you. Well, no, I mean, it's the reality though, right? (laughs) We can be advocates for a single individual or like these 26 women are being advocates for themselves. But again, it's just women being advocates for themselves. It's not anyone backing these groups or you know, as a whole entity of human women. See, I like I like the, what you just said is women being advocates for themselves in in the game because like I've met so many dope women that love the game of soccer, like following this sport. So it was like, how do women convince some of these entities? Like, hey, we love to wrestle. We love to go fifty fifty challenges on the balls. Like, we deserve to get the ad revenue. Just like the men are getting, it's like, how do women basically show kind of these good old boys, like, yo, you're doing it wrong. Like, if you guys really want to make money, like, you know, so help me understand that aspect of it. Have you ever seen a uh, good old boy be told something by a woman? Tough. How he yeah, reacts? It's, it's rough. <laughs> it, it is. It is tough. But yeah. it, it's like, it, it's, you have to, you kind of have to sway the mentality. You know, right. because, you know, like you said, I love how you said the hypersexualization, or a lot of brands are afraid to put money behind the women's game, so let's let's try to get Zoo Lily, and let's try to exactly. get, like, you know, organizations You wouldn't like Zoo Lily, man. You, you know? <laughs> hey, man. <laughs> Lost episode. Is that aerobics brand? Lost episode. Yeah. Lost episode. Great brand. We love you guys on the swimsuit. So... So like like let's let's talk about like the NWSL. All right, they're they're on Yahoo Sports. It's like how do you get more people to know it's there, and how do you get people to start coming to more games that isn't just the family? Like how do you get ultras at you know and well, what's the closest team around? Um, Charlotte. I think that's the closest women's team. Uh, uh, Raleigh, I think. Yeah. North Carolina. Raleigh's closer? Yeah. North Carolina Court. Courage, Public yeah. school. Public school education. Public school education. But, like, how do you get more, <laughs> more like, ultras and things at those type of matches? Like, I want to hear that. The other day, I saw a question presented on the Atlanta United fans page, and I was like, if Atlanta United funded a women's team, would it fill up the stadium 70000 like it does the men's game? Mm-hmm. You know, and that's a question that I think everybody naturally asks. 
when you try to compare the women's game to the men's game, right? Is the stadium going to fill up? I think that the foundation of the game is lost when you ask questions like that because it is not about the seats that are filled, but the quality of the What's product the, that is, is put that out. The product, yeah. You understand what I'm saying? So, I mean, you're asking me, okay, how do women stand up for themselves in this fight, and how do you convince, you know, the corporation man uh, that women and men are equal in the game? Well. I would never be able to answer that question and convince a man of that because it's been the fight for many years. For eons. Okay, mm-hmm. and this is why we're having to go to court to fight for our wages. Do you understand what I'm saying? In a game that has been here for centuries. Yeah. So, can I convince a man? Absolutely not. It's something that is already embedded in generations and generations and generations. Yeah. Moving forward with that, how do we change that? I mean, as a coach... The only thing that I can instill in my girls is the fact that I'm a woman and I'm still involved in the game. I coach, I play, I can sit here in a podcast that, you know, is driven by men and still have topics of conversation and an image that, you know, is that, you know, forefront for women, for example, that we're asking about, you know, I think that it starts with things like this where, we are invited to situations to talk about topics that men generally have no clue about, right? Because you're not on our side. And what I mean on our side is not necessarily are you behind us and do you support no, us, but, you right. know, what we're doing or what's happening to us directly. Right. One thing that I say to my players all the time, the reason I don't sit on a sideline and I yell all these different types of things is because I'm not in the actual game to know what's going on. When you're playing the game... It's completely different than you being outside and just watching or coaching the game. Yeah. So put that in a fan perspective, right? You've got 70,000 that are willing to go stand for 90 minutes at an Atlanta United match. Of course, look at the marketing that Atlanta United has put behind something like that. Mm-hmm. If they, they put were to a lot take of marketing seriously that, yeah. the women's game and put some kind of effort and push towards the women's game growing. I think you could fill up a stadium, maybe not 70,000, but you could probably get 20,000 people to come well, watch a game the consistently. Thing about, the thing about it is, like, back when the beat were here and when Kennesaw was first built, exactly. like, that whole mindset of why they built Kennesaw Stadium was the idea of that Atlanta beat were going to be there. Exactly. And to fill it out. And the crazy experience I had going to those women's games was that um, I had the experience of, so, um, hanging out with the former coach, and then going to an actual all-star event there. Okay. Mind you, Marta is there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, all, yeah. Like the yeah. whole yeah. name brand, all of them are there. It was maybe 6,000. Yeah. Maybe. You're talking about a collection of the greatest players on earth mm-hmm. and only about six or 7,000 yeah. there. And, and then, wait, wait, wait. Here's the next experience. So after the game, to go to the pizza shop around the corner from Kennesaw, I'm literally sitting there side by side with Marta, best player on the earth. And yeah. nobody's like even like not even freaking out. Noticing yeah. it. Yeah. That's the thing that baffles me about it. Like as I get deeper understanding the women's game, I'm just like, it's just crazy that so many people just don't. I'm sorry, I dropped the name. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you, you felt the competition. I did. I had to. I got to wear my pocket. She's like, look at him. She was like, I'm 
whoa, whoa, whoa. I got pictures. Your pockets are full. I got, I got like name. I'm going to call, call, call it. I'm about to text her. I'm about to text Marta and tell on you. Yeah. <laughs> like, you want me to tell you about that Where one time I was Marta's bodyguard? See, see, there go. see. Back in the WPS days. Why you got to do that, Lee? Christine Ziclair? Lee, why you got to do that, Lee? Every time. Every time I'm with you. Anyways, go ahead. What were you saying? But but no, like the NWS, like last year, the average, I think the average viewership was about like 90,000 compared to like an average MLS game. It was like 260,000. And MLS matches, like some of them are really terrible. They're really bad. So, and like, I honestly enjoyed the quality of the product that was on Lifetime, but you just had to remember it was there. I was yeah. like, the production quality was great. And like, I was like, all right, I'm going to watch the women's game. And I'm like, comes around Saturday, I'm like, Shit, I missed the match. I'm like, and you know what? That and that's a, and that's a, a huge thing there because when they announced that they were uh, dropping uh, Lifetime or Mutual, whatever, like part of my thing was like, okay, when you think Lifetime, you don't necessarily think sports. So it's like, 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 you're, no. like, so you're not thinking, okay, where can I? Like, if you if you go to ESPN, you obviously expect sports. Yeah, when you exactly. go when you go to Lifetime, you're not thinking sports, so yeah. it's like you're not thinking. Okay, I need to go if I want to watch NWSL. I need to go flip the Lifetime instead of uh, ESPN two. Like it doesn't make any sense. If I was to tell my girls go watch the game on Lifetime, they'll almost they laugh. wouldn't even they'll know where the hell you. Lifetime. They don't like, know if we have that Lifetime. They'll laugh. <laughs> is that a they'll, magazine? They'll like, laugh. Supposed to watch a game on a magazine? <laughs> right. Like I mean, they wouldn't know what Lifetime is. Yeah. I mean, to be honest with you, I have a better shot at them going to Yahoo Sports. Then lifetime. Yeah, okay, lifetime. and why is that? Brand identification. Yeah. Right. Okay, do you understand what I'm lifetime saying? Lifetime is not associated. No, with but that. Yahoo is, no. and no. so if corporations mm. took the game seriously, okay, the right corporations, the right names behind entities, it would be, in my opinion, something more commercialized. But it's not because we have Lifetime. I mean, Lifetime is. You know exactly what that is. It's it's. Movies for women. I mean, <laughs> that's what everybody identifies with. Okay, movies for women. So, oh my god! You know, it's oh the <laughs> telenovelas of <laughs> the USA. You understand what I'm saying? That's what that channel wasn't is. the new edition. Uh, was Doctor Drama on Lifetime? Wow, that was BT. Was that BT? Come on, bro. Was on Lifetime? BT, man. I'll tell you what. Example: Put the games on BT. I guarantee you, it would have more notoriety at that point than Lifetime. Okay. So I, 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 I missed the on HBCU BT games on, on BET. No, exactly. But Lifetime? Yeah. You understand what I'm saying? So yeah. Andrew, I think it goes back to that point we need to do we need to that Lee BT. had, which is if they took it seriously, right, mm -hmm. uh, then the game might be a little, it would be identified in a larger scale, not because of the trophies mm -hmm. and not because of individual women, you know, Mia Hamm or Abby Wambach or so on and so forth. It would be identified as a sport, okay? I think that if the right corporations are behind something like that, then then you can sway anything. I mean, I, I hate to say, but that's exactly sort of how this country works, right? The right people fund the right things, and anything can be swayed. The opinion mm -hmm. can be swayed any way you want it. Yeah. So, so let me let me ask let me ask this with the kind of the NWSL kind of kind of floundering. You know, the the viewership is floundering. How do you guys feel about MLS teams, all of them collectively getting together and creating a, a, a women's team to kind of go with their brand? Or if they have their own brand identity, at least have the affiliation with it. Would that help or would that, there's no, 
it, it would do anything. In the hopes to give my girls an opportunity to look something for something forward, yeah. I think it's a fantastic idea. Because otherwise, there's nothing. Yeah. Do you understand what I'm saying? Because yeah, that was crazy when you told me about like college, and that's it. That's it. And, and like, you know, because to me, I think of the men's game, like, I think of over here, it's like, okay, you don't make it to college, you still can go overseas. So I really thought, like, so girls had the opportunity to go overseas and continue their development. So once you get to college, it's like, I get a job. If it's, you, if, if you, if you, you get there, get right? Somehow, it, it, it's done even before then, though. I mean, in high school. Coach Lee was even talking about, like, the fact that, you know, at that age of 13, 14, oh, like, there's plenty fact. of, like, other developmental academies and stuff like that. Where it literally stops at that level. Mm -hmm. So, for you know a young woman trying to grow up and keep on pursuing, they can't even be considered serious if there's no developmental academy type of thing situation. I mean, it, it boils down to so many factors why kids stop playing in the first place, but girls particularly, you know, in the women's game, there are so many male coaches and hardly any oh. female coaches. So therefore, you have this whole group of females, little girls, that don't have anyone to look up to. Do you understand what I'm saying? So they're looking at this man, old man, at that, you know, that they don't identify with one bit as the pinnacle of what their soccer career is supposed to be. I mean, it doesn't make any sense. It's funny, you also... So, you know, you, you, you weigh those things, you understand what I'm saying? And so my girls, gosh... I would have been lucky to have one female coach, and I didn't have any. Yeah. Do you understand what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. I recently reached out to my college coach just to kind of touch base, you know, hey, I'm coaching, and this is what I'm doing. And the same, you know, hesitation that he was as a coach with us during college was the same guy that I got on the phone now, me as an adult and as equal to him as a, as a coach. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, it's that thing, right? Like, my girls know that they can go on 10 years from now and just find chop me. Chop it up, yeah. And we could just pick up right where I was. Yeah. Do you understand what I'm saying? It's those identifiers that I think skip a beat to the growth of the game, even in that bottom level, which is the youth game. Mm -hmm. Okay, so That's we have these 14, 15, 16-year-olds that are, you know, going already through adolescence, figuring out that 8th grade, ninth grade, 10th grade year of school, which is very weaving through a lot of things. They have a sport that they've relied on, but then suddenly they're in middle school or in high school, and their coach is some jackass guy that does not respect them for being a woman in the game and expects things out of them as if they were men. And so then it translates to things that just don't work in the end. So, you know, it makes it really difficult for these young ladies, right, to have the ambitions, like Lee, to go overseas and play. For us, the game can clearly end at 14, 15, 16. Or for me, who I just wanted to keep playing, keep playing. played through yeah, high yeah. school as much as keep it gave playing. me, gave me some college. I got yeah. there and then, man, that was the end. And it Sunday hurt. Warrior. Yeah. It hurt a ton. Do you understand what it was to finish college after four years, after playing since I was eight years old, and to just think, this is it? Like, there's no more? Wait, wait. I you, have to hang my you boots? You did college in four years? 
Yeah. Oh, okay. Right. Sorry, guys. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's... It's only, yeah, it's only a few of us out there. I don't know. But, uh, it wasn't like I did anything great communications major. Let's just get through college as quick as possible. No, but the reality is, is that, right? It's that, man, after those four years, I was like, shit, okay. I mean, this, is, this hurts. I've played my whole life. And all these years of... How can I play this year's? Is someone going to be able to help me play this year or whatever because of the economic factor to make it all the way through college and then get there and then it was like nothing. I mean, I wish in college they would even push these women athletes to pursue coaching, like pursue their licensing, things of that nature so that there is something. Segway. Do you understand what I'm saying? Segway. That's very Segway. But it's just, it, it doesn't, that doesn't even exist. Right? That, that was... Now, okay, so you're actually getting into what I wanted to get into next because obviously, you know, we're all in the coaching world. And I was wondering about your journey within the coaching ranks. And, you know, one thing I've definitely been having a discussion with a lot of people recently is the fact that the sport of soccer, it blows my mind that we did not see more women coaching men's teams. Like, it's something that is not like that transfer like there's nothing gender specific as far as like that what it takes to be a coach. right you know the fact that like the nba now is you know trying out that it was assistant coaches and stuff like that but here in soccer like there's no excuse as to why there's the nfl like i mean like no, that's the I'm nfl saying. has women coaches like, like, that's what I'm saying. But soccer, thank you nfl yeah soccer makes no sense why to, i don't understand why we're not the trailblazers within the United States of why women are not coaching men's teams. I mean, and again, I think it falls back to that seriousness of the sport. I mean, I'll, I'll, be, I'll give you an example. Me, as a 33-year-old woman, coaching girls, you know, and I coach very little kids, but the age range would be 14 to 17, right? That's like my core right. that's girls. The, that's a sweet spot. Yeah. You know, to place me as a women's coach in the boys' sector would be not just demanding for the boys, but the what the parents right. would demand out of me would be, I think, extra than what they would demand out of a man. And I don't think it has anything necessarily to do with education or can I play better than a guy or not. I think it's just the mentality mm-hmm. that has already been instilled from a long time ago of the separation between the men's game and the women's game, right? And sort of no weaving in between. Yeah. There are countries that there are women that have played in the professional men's sector because there is no women's game. Right. Do you understand? But this country wouldn't allow something like that. And I'll give you an example. In basketball. When that uh, young lady, what, Brianna or something like that, um, that she was going to play in the NBA, and it became such a big deal because she was a woman that was going to play in the men's game. And she didn't even end up playing in the men's game because of all the controversy. Right. And so you think about that in the small sector as youth coaching, right? Just youth, yeah. Just youth, <laughs> okay? Just youth. And the controversies that that would bring... Now translate that into adults and professional. I mean that. I mean it would just. I don't think. Gee, it would... Coach Lee, have you experienced that at all? <laughs> hmm. <clears throat> <laughs> you could clear my throat on that one. 
talk. <laughs> um, and mind you, this is when I was coaching. Let me see. What was the age group? Like you seven? Yeah, there we go. Seven. Um, <laughs> and I felt constantly undermined by the parents. Yeah. And I was coaching mostly boys. I think I had one girl on my team. Yeah. Who was probably the best player? She's on the team. definitely <laughs> the best player. <laughs> Not even lying. Not um, even lying. But there was a player, his parent who contacted Coach Tony and said, I feel like my son needs a male coach because he's not going to get that same discipline or uh, structure. Perfect. Yeah, for real? Straight so there up. We go. Straight up. Yeah. I mean, Straight there up. you go. And, so and, and she wasn't the only parent. and structure. Yeah. yeah. Listen to the words, right? Yeah. yeah. It wasn't like, like skill or skill. <laughs> Speed or right. soccer intelligence. Structure. But structure and discipline. Yeah. And I think, again, it's the seriousness. Because either they don't take soccer seriously. You need to go put your kid in American football Thank so you, you get screamed at. <laughs> <clears throat> or because I don't raise my voice in the same way or yell and try to make little robots, they feel like, well, she must not know what she's talking about. Mm-hmm. This is not good for my child. What's good for your child is being committed, yeah. coming to practice, oh. showing up on time, Thank you. paying attention, <laughs> having all their the, equipment. The on time. I mean, oh. as, a, as a soccer parent, just that blows showing me. up. Just <laughs> showing up. I'm like, God. Let's not forget to just bring your equipment that you might need. Oh, right? shin guards? Oh, you know, right? shit, yeah. <laughs> You're coming to soccer. You won't need a ball, though. Please don't worry. Please? I saw a kid what loafers on out here. I constantly have kids come to my elementary school practice and Tim's like, what's up? <laughs> Tim's are proven to help with speed. Seriously, it builds the calves. It builds the calves up. I got a team full of New Yorkers, son. Shouts out to our New York listeners. Like dead ass. But I did have one question before we transition out. Out of this, uh, I actually noticed this more during the last uh, Women's World Cup cycle in 2015. Uh, there's, there, is they've done a little bit better with this this cycle. Of course, you have Crystal Dunn, uh, Adriana French, uh, Mal Pugh, but I'm like the the national team doesn't have a lot of color, and I'm and I'm one. And of course, we we go back to like talk about the the. The, the good old boys never. I'm like, I'm pretty sure in the women's game there's a lot of diversity. And I'm like, where where, where does that show up in the? I, I, no, I honestly I think the women's game. I, I don't want to mansplain it, but I think it is representation of the the environment. Like it, it, like you think about it, soccer is a suburban culture thing. Oh, I see. Okay, okay. I see what you're saying. Okay, scared me for a second. Where are you going with this? <laughs> It's a suburban culture okay. thing. All right, I so got if you, you think right. about a lot, just like in the men's game, it's the travel clubs that oh, get okay. the yeah. opportunity to get right. scouted. I see. So the women, the, the women, the girls that get scouted, they move up the U.S. soccer ladder. So like you said, you had you had other parents help you out. Your parents kicked in, you know, extra things like that. They got you the opportunity to get to college, stuff like that. Some people are like, yo, I'm sorry. Oh, fact. I, I can't do it. Like, you know, and just like, so that's why there's not much uh, color in the women's well, top flight. And there's also 
the value that a culture puts on a certain sport. Mm-hmm. So at Northwestern, for example, which was five percent black when I was there, that's a whole other story. We were constantly thought, asked. That's, that's kind of actually generous, I mean, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that one year. <laughs> so on the soccer team or yeah, the whole the school? The whole school. Oh, that is pretty um, dumb. Yeah, yeah. And. There was at one point in time, which was like unheard of, there were four of us black girls on the soccer team. And so we're walking around campus and people are like, oh, you guys on the track team. Uh, oh, fuck. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was like, you guys know we don't have a track team. <laughs> 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 that makes it work. Y'all yes. <laughs> cross country, no track team. Uh, okay. um, That's so wild. You weren't on cross country team? Black females that continue in athletics are often pushed towards track and field true. and basketball. Oh, yeah. 100% true. And then you always got to compete with dance. Teams. I'll give you an example of this right now that is happening uh, in the school sector that I coach in. And, you know, no secret, I coach Decatur High School sector. We know what the demographic in this area, especially in downtown Decatur area. Well, there's two different such, Decaters. Right? Yeah. Right, for, for people outside, of, outside listeners, because there's two Decaters. They said we were coming to Decatur tonight. I was uh, like, cool, we go to Wesley <laughs> Chapel. We got to hear GPL. I was like, wow, let me leave now. <laughs> there's two Decaters. There's City of Decatur, uh, right. and there's the Deck Decatur. Yeah. So, just so outside listeners know, there's two Decaters. So, yeah, we are I, right I didn't now know that when I first moved here. City of Decatur yeah. area. Yeah. So, it's very different here. Different tax um, bracket. I, you know, I'll give you an example. The high school system here, they, you know, we don't have a football team. We just have soccer. So that's what it is here in this city. And so we have middle school team, you know, which is composed of 6th, 7th, and 8th graders, the JV team, varsity team. And you have that for both boys and girls. Uh, this year for the middle school team, we literally cut 25 girls. Mm. So, you know, and we have... 20 girls on a team. Breaking so hearts. the numbers are crazy. But out of those 20 girls, there's only two black girls on my team. No Hispanic girls. So, okay? Because here's a weird thing that... And but so... If you get out of the city of Decatur... You know, and so you think about stuff like that, right? If you look actually at the area of city of Decatur where, you know, these families live... Uh, you can quickly identify where the minorities are coming from and then where everybody else is coming from. Uh, Here in the city of Decatur, I mean, there is Hispanic people, but they're, like, hidden or pushed to be hidden, in a sense. And they end up going to other schools, right? So this little neighborhood that I live in, it actually... The road, probably six houses down from me, is cut into... Two sectors, Seattle Decatur and then Nortrud Hills. And so this area goes to Nortrud Hills. You see what that team looks like. Mm-hmm. And it is completely, completely different completely than what the, De- the Decatur High School team looks like. So when you put that in perspective of the women's game, right? The boys' game could be a little bit more diverse, but the women's game is definitely not. Mm-hmm. And I think about just in the aspect of me being like, the Hispanic girl that was usually on the soccer team, and there never really been any other Hispanic no. girls on the soccer team, you know? And there might be one or two black girls, and then everybody else, you know, was Anglo. You know what I mean? And so it's it's different. You know what I mean? You definitely know the difference there. So the one thing I was going to comment on is, like, you know, with Soccer Streets, obviously we deal with the Clarkson community. Right. And obviously Clarkson being a refugee 
community. Um, the one thing as we're building the girls team there, to what we're dealing with as far as like participation is like literally you're dealing with like cultural like mindsets yep. that will not have young girls playing right. sports. Oh, not at all. And like literally, you're they will not do it because it's just not culturally. Accept it, appropriate, the norm. Well, well I mean, I, for me, I, don't, I don't think it's the immigrants, though. Like, well, I, I'll tell you this. For me to play soccer at, in my household with my mom and living just in the cultural aspect of her raising us Costa Rican at home, women don't play sports, right? Mm-hmm. For me, it was like, yeah. in order for you to go to practice, you better also have done the following things up around the house mm-hmm. and helped out your brother and sister do the following other things. And then the remainder time could be pushed to the sport. And, well, that, and that's what I was going to say. Actually, as far as the cultural stuff, what's accepted within, you know, the typical United States mindset of what's going to progress exactly. me and get me a job exactly. or be successful is completely different. 100%. Than those other cultures. And so it's like, you know, staying at home, keeping the family going, doing these because jobs. here, no one knows that, you know, soccer can give you... Like, when I was coaching in Savannah, I had to explain to, like, parents, like, your kid can go to college for free for playing yeah. this sport. Oh. He's not getting... Like, they would leave soccer practice to take their kid to basketball practice because basketball is going to be the way out. And I was like, <laughs> do you understand how easy it is for your son, the way he's playing right now, to get a scholarship to play this game right here? And they just looked at me like, nah, bruh. Ain't gonna happen. But it's just is there is no how we've been talking about (laughs) like 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 we've been talking about this on the show this whole time, Gregor. It's like representation matters. There is no representation for women Mm -hmm. in the United States or minorities in the United States in this game. And that has to change. In the national teams, it has to be that avenue. Because that's the only time that a casual will watch this sport. And and what trips me out there is that Sorry, what what I, in, get excited. <laughs> <laughs> what what trips me out there is that like if you look at like some of the national teams from elsewhere, a lot of those players went to school here and played yeah, here. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. And and they're from here. They're like they're yeah. just like they're maybe like like first or second generation immigrants. Yeah. And I'm like, um, you do realize they they're technically U.S. eligible, exactly, yeah. and they're just they say like you know what you we're see good. How recruiters are <laughs> national teams, man. They don't. Like I said, unless you're part of the country club, they don't know who you are. They don't know who you are unless you're in that country club. And it, and it boggles my mind how, like, how many players literally get bypassed by the U.S. team who are American, and then they say, "Okay, well, you know, my my parents' country, you know, they they're looking at me. I'll, I'll just play for them." Like, there's a there's so many, and it's it's honestly frustrating because I'm like, you know. Just like how I said earlier, how you want to have a team that reflects your country, mm-hmm. and you know, we are a na- we are a country of em- immigrants, and you know people to- and people who are born here as well. It's like you want. I think that if you have talent that that reflects that, you should have that on your team. And it's like they just would rather say, "You know what? We're good. We're good." Yeah. It, it just came down to if you aren't part of the ODP machine, then you have no place here. And what is the ODP machine? <laughs> oh, God. So the Olympic Development Program that you, you know, Overrated. have Sorry. to try out Overrated. to make and pay to be part of, um, 
was heavily relied on to get players onto these youth national teams. And then those okay. youth national team players got invited to older camps and stuff like that. But if you didn't make it from your state team, then you get to your region team. Your region team doesn't actually do anything. Mm-hmm. But you might, from your region team, get invited to the national team. And they maybe you know, if you miss a tournament, then slide back down the ladder. That's crazy. Um, there are very few people who would make it through that system. And that's kind of how they just would pick and choose their, their people. Right. Um, and it, it just, it's mind-boggling to see how much talent there is out there that just gets, you know, overlooked. Ignored. Um, and, it, yeah, ignored. Not even just like, oh, I accidentally missed you. Like, I just am not checking for you at all. Um, but how excited people get when they see these athletes out there. Um, like, I, when I worked for the Chicago Red Stars, I was in undergrad, did an internship with them. And uh, Jess McDonald was on the team at the time. And she's an awesome player who plays for North Carolina now has been making waves with the national team. Um, now, Jess McDonald is 5'10", almost 5'11". And I'd be in the stadium club, whatever, and I'd have people come up to me, you played a great game. For listeners, I am... Maybe five seven. Oh, that's that's a nice height. Cool. Nice height. We all look alike. Generous. You know. Um, and so I saw their excitement, but they really had no idea who she was. Right. Because clearly, you know, I was her twin. Completely first. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, that's the whole we all look alike conversation. But um, there's just so many opportunities and. I think the women's national team is struggling right now in defense because we don't develop true defenders anymore. We're always looking to convert a forward so that they can attack at the point. Yo, yo, tell me, yo, I saw Crystal Dunn got moved to, like, right back. I was yeah, like, I what What in the entire fuck? <laughs> this has been an experiment they've been doing with her for a while. I'm like, what are you doing there, man? Put that girl up top. I'm like, just because you 5'3", like, if, if, you, if, you, if you can finish... Need to be up front. Period. Period. Right, and I think that we're we're afraid of these athletes. Absolutely, honestly, is what it comes down to. We want to develop a certain cookie cutter version of what a player's supposed to be that we ignore. Ooh. Sorry. No, sorry. <laughs> that's why we don't watch games. Yes. Right? <laughs> <laughs> watch. Everyone that's listening, that's that's Mexico? Yeah. Mexico just scored yeah. on Paraguay. Yeah. 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 Not in light, just scored. Jonah, yeah. national team. Tata, we miss you. Tata, yeah. shout out to you, brother. Come back. We'll get to that in a second. Yeah. But yeah, continue. But continue. Yeah. If they don't fit this cookie cutter suburban, I went through ODP and DA Academy, and I went oh, to yeah, this you school. Missed the co- you missed the ODP combo. Yeah, yeah, yeah you know me. On that. Nah. Please yeah. just don't. Then, you know, you, you're probably not going to fit in the system. Or, you know, we're going to convert you to a position that you don't play. Well, I'll tell you this. U.S. soccer, uh, from the top, and then it triples down. They want to do this sort of um, the system of play. You know what I'm saying? And so it's like now they're trying to establish a play-out-the-back system. And in order to have that, they need to have specific players that fit that system. So the development aspect from top to bottom is based on that. You know what I'm saying? Is how you play this formation that U.S. Soccer wants everyone to play. I mean, now U.S. Soccer has transformed even the licensings. Uh, to this grassroots type of system, you know, and it just just goes back to breaking down a player to, you know, 
cookie cutter them into a specific mold to play the system that U.S. soccer wants you to have. So. It's funny how pay to play is affecting both the men's game and the oh, women's yeah. game. Oh yeah, everyone knows it, but like they don't want to address it. And, and it's too much money to change. Attitude reflects leadership. I say that right? all the time. Yeah, it's like four billion dollars. I think is what the revenue is. Uh, so uh, and people don't want to fuck with the money. I'm, I'm insane. I'm actually going, Coach Lee. I'm gonna put you on the spot. And please forgive me. All right. And stay on this topic of diversity. <clears throat> You know, on this podcast, we obviously, we talk a lot about, you know, HBCUs, and we even banter about oh, Wouldn't it be great? And oh, he's got a better homecoming. Home. <laughs> <laughs> so, as far as, like, you know, we talk about with it as far as the men's game as well, too, but as far as the women's game, you know, you know I got to represent my Howard at HU. You know, we both have men's and women's program at Howard at HBCU. Was it Coach Johnny with the Howard? I don't know if you knew that. I don't know. Hey, Coach. Hey, Coach. Hey, Coach. Hey, Coach. Hey, Coach. A&T still has a better homecoming. Damn right. Time out. And that's the reason why I wore this shirt tonight. Y'all know we've had this little chat going on within our little group message or whatever, and he's trying to say that A&T's homecoming is better than Howard's. You better get on with that. But anyway... <laughs> um, you know, I, I was fortunate enough to, you know, see both the women's game and the men's game at Howard. And I was just wondering for you, was that ever something in consideration for you to go to an HBCU to play? I mean, I, obviously, I know you wanted to play at the top level as well, but was that ever something that you valued growing up saying, like, I want to play with, you know, oh, shit, on goal. Sorry. Um, did you ever say, like, I wanted to play with a group of girls that look like me, similar to what you experienced at Smysa? Stone out. I mean, that experience is what shaped me as a player, honestly. Like, I had some good coaches along the way, some good teammates, but that is what made me fall in love with the game. And there was just an understanding with those girls that was just, like, no other. It was family. Um, and I didn't feel like I had to deal with certain microaggressions or explain things about, like, why my hair is a certain way, you know, during the summer or, you know, answer all these questions as people are coming of age about black people. Right. Um, but my thing with HBCU and it was just wanting to go somewhere that was extremely competitive. And at the time, right. I mean, honestly, Spellman recruited me when I was like 12. Yeah. And so we I need like, you. <laughs> So at that point, I was like, nah, I mean, <laughs> my team just beat you. So. Okay. High school. Yeah. high school, middle school. Yeah, sorry. You know, I, um, I appreciate it, though. <laughs> and, I, you know, I my thing was just, I'm going to go wherever I have to go to develop and become a better player. And that was the hard choice I had to make going from... Smisa to go in to play for a team in Cobb and then leaving that Cobb team because they weren't getting the same looks as the I don't even know what they are anymore but the Peachtree City Lasers at the time mm-hmm. um, and they were getting all the college coaches coming around there because yeah. I don't know if I should take this name out or anything go ahead but, you go know, ahead that was the team that Kelly O'Hare was on oh. like, everybody yeah. was there oh, oh, they're now oh, AFC oh. Lightning yeah okay I was like I can't keep up with this club structure yeah. anymore um, but looking back. Like, I, I often think what my experience would have been right. going and playing for uh, an HBCU. And I have lots of family. I have a aunt who's a professor at Howard, a couple 
couple relatives that went to schools that I could see the culture and the the, the pride they have in their or, their. Uh, I mean, it is D one. I'm just letting you know it is. D1. <laughs> I'm just saying, you know. I mean, we <laughs> should HBCU have a soccer program, right? Um, and I've been thinking about that too in terms of the next level coaching mm-hmm. as well. Is is there a way for me to plug in mm-hmm. to make sure that the next person who's thinking about well. I don't know, but I don't really see myself getting better here. Maybe I can help change their mind. Hmm. Um, so, I mean, I'm putting that in the atmosphere now, see, you know, hmm. what happens with that. I would say that for the Latino player, that's probably even a little bit more difficult yeah. um, because there's just no identifier here in this country right. for the Latino player, period. Uh, I mean, would I have loved to have played in an all-black school? Oh, my God, that would have been amazing because that's absolutely a lot closer to what I feel as a person than anything else <laughs> in relation than I, I ever I mean, we have. adopt you. You're yeah, part of culture, you, you know? You, you. <laughs> no, but I mean, the reality is it's just growing up in an immigrant family, you live in certain sectors and, you know, certain minorities live in certain sectors, right? I mean, that's just the reality of how this country is. And so, you know... Growing up playing soccer in the United States, I mean, I, I played in teams with nothing but white girls. I mean, period. End really? of story. Really? And so, what? you know, what? shocker. Not, not you know, but, you know, so to identify, I mean, being from Costa Rica, being an immigrant kid here, I couldn't even travel to Costa Rica back. I, the first time I was able to travel to Costa Rica was in 2016, since wow. I came here at five years old. Wow. And so... Even when now when I go back to Costa Rica and I see, like, the women's game there, man, there is just something in me that I'm like, yeah. God, I would have died Your to play here, you know? Yeah. Like, how is it the turn of events where I am now, but, you know, what I could have had here, why did we come? You know, all these questions that, as an athlete, you know, you just sit back and you just wonder. But, you know, then I recognize the position that I am in now, and I think about the women's game in Costa Rica and sort of how... Still, it has so much to grow. I mean, it's a tiny little country, 5 million people. That's how many people we have in Atlanta. So, you know, that tiny little country, the game in itself, it's just it's just growing in the women's sector. You know what I mean? So for moms to allow their daughters to go to school and then go to soccer practice, like, that's a new thing there now. You know what I mean? But you go there, and now you see girls kicking a ball around and stuff and yeah it has the little girl in me that yearned to be the professional player or whatever it was going to turn out to be you know now I'm a coach it 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 burns in me right and it makes me wonder god what would it have been to be around people of my culture grow up playing around people of my culture maybe learn a di- even different type of soccer you know what right. i mean i think that what made me different always was because i was this little latino girl on these white teams and, you know, I had these quote unquote extraordinary talents that these other kids had. Right. And then it's like, I don't know, was that culture? Was that what I had naturally? What, what was that? Right. And so what could have aspired from that had I been around, you know, playing people of the same background as me? So cool. Cool. One last question before we uh, wrap up uh, on this. One one would answer like, well, a, a one sentence answer. What would it take to make American women's soccer 
better. Make it great. <laughs> great. I felt you. I felt it in you. Get Trump out of office. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, you had to throw that one in there. There we go. Had to throw that one in there. End of episode. There you go. There you go. Answer everything. What would it take for, for America, American women's soccer to be great in this country? In one sentence. Wow, that's dumb. damn, dang great. I know, right? <laughs> it could be a long, it could be a, well, a long, long getting sentence. I'll, I'll no, just say, right? based on the conversation that we've had uh, this evening, I would say just cultural variety. I think that if we can somehow plug in the actual diversity that exists in every major and minor city in the United States of America into the game of soccer, we'll have sort of what France had. You see? And so I think that, you know, they looked at their situation with immigration and, you know, all the people coming over and they just decided to thrive upon that, then make that a problem. And so, you know, you look at a realistic factor of what we live in today and right now there's a lot of diversity and a lot of things. So if we want to grow a sport, I think we have to start by incorporating that that cultural you know entity into everything that we do what you got lee i think we need to make use of the ambassadors that we have especially oh yeah 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 yeah. you know especially around that age of dropout Mm -hmm. to make sure that these girls know hey there's further for you to go you can continue to develop you belong in this sport which you belong in this sport is probably the the sentence that I would say. Yeah, damn. Um, Agreed. That's, that's it. Like, I think that's a t-shirt right there. That's a t-shirt right there. Right 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 you right belong. No, no. no. A t-shirt no right bottom, there, line. bottom line is. March coming soon. <laughs> and thank you for saying that. Thank you for saying that because I think had I heard that as a young coach Busta, Andrea, man, the power that would have given me and the drive to further what I already did mm-hmm. in the obstacles that were pronounced to me. So, you know, thank you for saying something like that because it is inevitable that we need to keep saying things like that. Mm-hmm. Cool. I th- as I th- we, sorry. Go, go ahead. Go. Go ahead, go ahead. Um, you know, we talked about early on, you said women being advocates for women. And, you know, people want to say, well, if you clean up your community, then everybody else will respect you and blah, blah, blah. Anyway, um, if we are strong, if we, you know, present this united front, we're going to make them respect Mm -hmm. us. We're going to make sure that even if you don't go on and play professionally, you are taking that confidence that you gain from playing the game and you're actually in that marketing room Mm -hmm. when they talk about where can we put our money towards. Let me tell you something serious. Let me tell you something of value. Let me tell you what people are going to show up and support it. We can be part of those conversations instead of having to ask the men. We're the ones making the decisions. Mm-hmm. Legit. Cool, cool. Legit. You know, I I know we were supposed to talk, talk about the, the men's team. I know we just saw them finish up their uh, game against Chile. It was 1-1. Uh, really would, other than Pulisic getting hurt. I know you said like all the, all the German guys got, got, uh, got injured during this international break. Like, man, like it, it, it's boring, man. The men's game is boring now. It's, I wouldn't say it's boring. It's just that 
they're doing things now they should have done back in September. And they're trying to build the roster, get them like, dude, like, why weren't you doing this in September when you could have had Burrowhalter back then and all that jazz? And because we had to do the LeBron decision for the national team. We need to go 100 days. What was it, 101 days? We're not counting 420. No, we, we, it just missed 420. Yeah, it was like 418. Yeah, like, oh, like 418. So yeah. like, we, we had to do that. So I just, the men's game is boring, man. I don't even, let's not even talk about it. Uh, the the one thing I, I I will say two things. One, we actually did have some MLS games over the weekend. There were a lot of young kids that actually got action over over the weekend. Like usually, because usually that they average like maybe like two under twenty three players over the weekend. Yeah. This weekend they actually averaged six. Yeah. And so like that in itself was actually pretty big. I I hope that MLS and all its teams really keep moving forward with this with this uh, youth, uh, with this youth movement, because you see what was happening with the national team. Like we need younger players to get action and actually get something that's actually meaningful. Our guys, uh, Carlton and Robinson, they got action with, uh, with the youth national teams over the weekend with the U twenties and U 23s. So like we're produced, we're trying to produce things on on our end as well. But I, uh, you know, there were, yeah, there really wasn't much. Like we we did, we did went off a fluke goal against Ecuador, and yeah, uh, that that's really it. That's it, man. Like I said, not much happened. Not much happened in MLS. Not yeah. much happened in the men's game. For we'll, 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 we'll talk about more about them next week. But in the meantime, top five league. Yeah. It's the international break, man. I was I was curious, man. A friend was asking. You know. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, you know, make sure y'all y'all check us out on social media. FTC UTD. Uh, you, you'll see our Ringo's uh, new name set. Uh, it's, it's it's dope as shit. Shout out to New Mexico United. Uh, they undefeated, right? Right. Hey, they crushing. Hey, they crushing they championship right now. Just say. Hey. Just, yeah. just a small club in the desert. Just throw that out there. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right. Yeah. But, Mem- Memphis nine on one got their first win. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 They played Louisville, Bethlehem. Bethlehem Steel. Yeah, okay. Bethlehem. The, the the legend of Beth- Bethlehem Steel. Yeah. It was a away game too. So yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, are, are, are we doing? Uh, do you say we're, if we're doing um, Nashville, uh, Memphis? I we're doing Chattanooga. We're doing Chattanooga, Chattanooga. yes. Yeah. I'm, are, are y'all coming with me? I ain't going to Nashville, bro. I ain't, I ain't going to Nashville. Are y'all coming with me to Chattanooga, though? Yeah, we'll do Chat Town, but I'm not doing Nashville. I know that's, that's, that's a day trip. Nah, I ain't going to Cool, 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 cool. So, ladies, uh, like I said, I, I, we, this conversation was so was so amazing. I, I'm so glad y'all were come, uh, y'all came on here. We, and we got to make sure we got to pay lead, because now she came up with a new phrase for one of our new Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Like, <laughs> Zoom Lily, if you want to go ahead. Zoom Lily, if you're hearing us, we got a t-shirt. Co-sponsor this shirt. (laughs) (laughs) But yes, in in, in case y'all, like, do y'all want people to hit y'all up on social media? Like, 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 it's all right. We're married and we're good. They don't even want them to talk like that. We're married. There may be some young ladies out there that want to know your experience in the game that learn about coaching. That's true. See? 
You guys think about it that way. They want to learn to be better coaches in the community. They flamed out at 14, but they still love the it's game. It's bigger than rap. See how I flipped that? See how I flipped that? It's you bigger than rap. Now I feel guilty. I feel guilty now. <laughs> so, what is the tagline? We'll have to make that good. <laughs> Stand fresh. <laughs> so, June next episode, we will give you the... Uh, Y'all are crazy. You but yes, here in you just see us out in public, and uh, you can't wait for long. That's right. This is my spouse. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Now, what you want to know about coaching? Yeah. <laughs> yes. But yes, thank y'all exactly. for coming on. Uh, yeah, y'all are more than welcome to come back on here. I'm pretty sure we'll be having y'all back on actually pretty soon. Um, in, in, in the meantime, of course, y'all can always catch us on social media, FTC, UCD, and, uh, you know, we'll, we'll chop it up with you because we're, we're real people. We will we'll, we'll talk to you. We'll, you will get that smoke from us. I, I guarantee it. What, 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 what's, what's up, Coach? Uh, no, no, no. Go ahead, man. Finish but, your, yes, uh, get, get, your, get your name sets, get your shirts, get your hats, FTCUTD.myshopify.com. Uh, next week, you know, MLS will be back at – We'll be back in full effect. Mexico right now is is putting in work. Tata doing his uh, man. Come back home, man. Come back home, mission. We love you. But yes, uh, in in the meantime, for all the coaches, Andrea, Lee, Tony, Ferringo, it's Grego. The culture's real. The culture's everywhere. We'll see y'all next week as we out of here. You could buy me diamonds. You could buy me pearls. On a cruise around the world Baby, you know I'm worth it In a lit by candles Run my bubble bath Make love tenderly to last and last Baby, you know I'm worth it Wanna please, wanna keep, wanna treat Your woman right Not just dough, but a show That you know she is worth your time You will lose if you choose